Today's Bible reading comes from 1 Samuel verse 1, chapter 1, verse 9 through 20. Once they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was standing, sitting in, on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose and worshiped before the Lord, and then went back to her home, their home at Ramah. Belanca made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. Here ends the lesson. Please be seated. Good morning. It's good to be back with you. Uh, we've been, my wife and I have been absent the last two weekends because we had two graduations in our family. One uh, each of the last two Sundays, my oldest son Nathaniel graduating from Valparaiso University two weeks ago, and then my youngest son Andrew graduating from Niqua uh, Valley High School just last week. So it's been a significant few weeks in our household, as it has been for several of you, I know, as well, this time of the, uh, this time of the year, these great transitions. Well, we're transitioning into a new worship series that talks about some significant women, and this series is called Wonder Women. The, uh, the scriptures, the Bible, uh, is a book that is embedded in a patriarchal time. But for being embedded in that time, it has several stories of women who, and then tells of their significant role in the unfolding divine narrative. So during these next four weeks, including today, we will look at four uh, women, one, four of these wonder women from the Bible, and their stories, and then how their stories can help us in our life of faith. Today we look at Hannah and the wonder of prayer. As Israel began to establish itself in its new home, it was governed by a loose system of judges, uh, not Wapner uh, or Judy, but uh, you might remember some of these names like Deborah and Gideon, Samson. Remember Samson, like the first WWF guy, knocks down the, you know, the building and kills all the Philistines. Uh, well, that is uh, part of those, those judges. And 
the, the, that story uh, changes to one of a system of monarchy. And so it goes from this system of these judges, these regional areas and, and this loose system, to being ruled under one person, under a monarchy. Uh, and that monarchy being Saul and then David and so forth. And the story of this significant change in the history of Israel begins with a woman named Hannah. Hannah, we learn, was married to Elkanah. And he had two wives. Not uncommon at the time. There was Hannah, whose name means favored, and Penina, whose name means fertile. And their names, the meaning of their names, tell their story. Penina had many children by Elkanah. And Hannah, who was favored by her husband, remained barren. And, and this, in that society, was considered to be cursed by God if you couldn't bear children. And so Hannah was felt under this curse. And yet, not only that, but Panina, who was considered her rival, would make fun of her and taunt her constantly. Hannah's husband, Elkanah, was trying um, to, to sympathize with his wife, but he just couldn't understand. Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you so downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Those who have gone through the pain and the frustration of infertility can likely identify with Hannah and the reason that she is despondent and downcast. So Hannah turns to God in anguished cries. Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. What an offer. Have you ever been at that point where you made a bargain with God? Have you ever done that in prayer? God, if only you will do this for me, then I will do such and such. It's a plea of desperation in a desperate situation. And before we dismiss those kinds of prayers as superficial or glib, as I'm tempted to do, let's reflect on the fact that we, as a congregation at Alleluia Lutheran Church, may not be here were it not for one of these bargain, bargaining prayers. No, the founders of this congregation did not make a deal with God. It goes back 500 years to this guy, Martin Luther, who as a young man, when he was caught in a lightning storm, terrible lightning storm, pleaded to God, save me and I will become a monk. Luther survived, entered the priesthood as he had promised to God, 
And as they say, the rest is history. And so here we are today as Alleluia Lutheran Church. So here is Hannah, childless, despondent, taunted by her rival, misunderstood by her husband. And she's ardently pouring out her prayers before God in God's house. And what happens next? She's accused by Eli the priest of being intoxicated. Talk about adding insult to injury. Here she is pouring out her heart, her soul to God, and she's accused by Eli of being drunk. She convinces Eli that that, in fact, is not the case. She's not intoxicated, and she tells him the reason for her sorrowful prayers. And that's when an amazing thing happens. Eli says to her, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant to you what you have asked of him. She regains her composure, goes back to her husband, and in due time becomes pregnant. They have a child and they name him Samuel and Hannah keeps her promise. She dedicates the child to God by presenting him to Eli, the very person that accused her of, of this, of being intoxicated when she was there praying in the temple, but the very person who also said, may God give you what you wish. She presents him later in Samuel's life to Eli so that he may mentor Samuel in the priesthood. Samuel grows up becomes a priest, and anoints the first two kings of Israel, Saul and David. What can we learn from the story of this wonder woman of the Bible, Hannah? What can we learn from this story of her prayer and of her anguished cries to God? Well, I want to lift up three things in particular that we can learn uh, from this story about the wonder of prayer. First, <clears throat> we can always bring our petitions to God. Always. Hannah, uh, no one in Hannah's story seemed to understand her. Not only are they unhelpful, but they seem to make matters worse. Like the friends of Job. You remember that story of, of Job, this guy who had a, everything it would seem and then lost it through a series of terrible misfortunes. Family, uh, children, wife, his health, his well-being, his home. All of it taken away through a, a series of unfortunate circumstances. And then later in that story, we hear of this friends that friends that come to Job and they're trying to explain his predicament and, and why he must be going through all of these trials and tribulations. And they offer solutions that are inadequate at best. 
Job's friends express pity, but they do not have compassion. The same is true of Hannah. And so both Job and Hannah bring their plight before God. In anguished cries, they come before God. And in both cases, we see and hear God hears and responds. Have you ever been at that point? I mean, that point where you're just, you're at your rope's end and you're feeling frustrated and you've got, you've, you've heard from people around you and people are trying to, to help you in that situation and they're walking through and maybe some are there but others are just offering words that don't, that don't help at all, sometimes that hurt and you, you're just, you've you got, you got nowhere else to turn. And so you bring your cries before God. As I visited with people in these situations where they're just at, at, at that point of frustration, I encourage them to bring or to continue to bring their prayers before God. Let God know what is deepest within you. Let God know and, and sense your frustration, your, uh, your anger even. Let God have it if that's the point where you're at. God is big enough and God can handle it because God in his love for you is greater than whatever it is that is deepest with inside you. And there's something that can happen when we're at that point, when we're at that point where, where we come to God and we are just raw and we bear our heart and our soul to God. And that's what brings me to our second point. Prayer isn't primarily about changing God's mind. It's not a list of things that we present to God for our case like I did um, for going on my senior trip in high school to my parents of why I should be able to go to Padre Island. Um, it was beautiful. Uh, I give you a, a nice portfolio explaining why, and they did let me go. Um, but that's not it. That's not what we're doing. We're not presenting a case to God of why he should grant us this thing. Prayer isn't primarily about changing God's mind, but it's about transforming our perspective. Like Hannah, can it feel at times like our prayers are falling on deaf ears? I mean, I don't want to show of hands, but if you've felt that way before, you know what that is like. Doesn't God hear? Doesn't God care? And then we begin to question our prayers. Am I, am I praying wrong? Am I praying for something that, that I shouldn't be praying for? And then we question our faith. Is, am I not worthy? Is my faith not good enough? Why does it feel like God is not there and God is not answering my prayers? Sometimes we may be 
tempted to treat God like a magic genie who is simply there to grant us wishes. And we don't, when we don't get what we're asking for, we lose faith and trust in God because God hasn't given us that thing. But here's the thing. God is often not going to answer our prayers in the way that we would like God to. So why, why ask God for anything? Why lift up specific petitions? Why ask for God's uh, intervention in a specific way in a situation? Let's remember that in prayer, we are pouring out our souls, our hearts, our desires to God. And there's something that can happen within that. And let's also remember that God has the bigger picture in mind. God's work is far grander than what we could imagine. And so why would we want to be limited by our own thoughts when we can expand ourselves to God's greater picture? And that's why I've come to believe that prayer isn't primarily about changing God's mind, but transforming our perspective and our hearts. When we bring our heart's desire to God, that is what is deepest within us. And God may bless that. Or God may work through time and circumstances to answer our prayer in a different way. God may choose to answer our prayer in a way that brings us to a deeper faith to a richer connection with God and those around us, to something deeper, something more substantial. And that's what brings me to my final, uh, third and final point. Events of great significance are often preceded by experiences of great trauma. Hannah's story of infertility begins the history of the monarchy in Israel. Through her story and through her gift of gratitude, giving Samuel her son, Samuel becomes the first, or not the first priest, but becomes a priest who anoints the first two kings of Israel, Saul and David. From the line of David eventually comes Joseph, who is the earthly father of Jesus. And through Jesus comes salvation, not only to God's people, but to the world. God's story of salvation traces itself back through the story of Hannah and her difficulty and suffering. How often are moments or movements and foundations and charities born out of trauma experienced by an individual or a family or a community or a group. 
Now, let, let me be clear. This doesn't mean that that situation, that trauma that happened was caused by God so that this thing might happen. God is not about inflicting pain and suffering. That is not God's MO. But God can work through those experiences of trauma or suffering or difficulty to bring about something that wasn't there before. The Apostle Paul, who himself suffered greatly for cause of the faith. Apostle Paul, who is probably the most significant person in the spread of Christianity in the early church, writes in the book of Romans, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. This is the power and the wonder of, of prayer. That we can bring what is deepest within us. That we can be raw and real and honest with God. And that God listens. And that God listens, but God may not answer in the way that we ex, ex, want or expect him to but answers in a way that helps to transform our perspective, to change our hearts, to open us up to a bigger picture that has God working for your good and for my good and for the good of the world. So let's continue to bring our prayers and those things that are deepest within us to God so that we might experience a transformation of our hearts, of our minds, of our perspective, and so that God may continue to do his work in the world. Let's lift our prayers before God now. Gracious God, thank you that we can come to you in prayer. Thank you that we can bear our souls to you and that that you will listen, that you love us so much that you will uh, listen to what is on our hearts, what is deepest within us. Lord, thank you that we can be safe there. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to be honest with you. There are times that we feel as if our prayers are landing on deaf ears. Lord, help us in those times to still bring our prayers to you in faith. Lord, and when we cannot pray any longer, Lord, may you hear what is deepest within us, our sighs and our groans. Lord, may, you, may your spirit communicate those things to you. Lord, work in and through our prayers and through our lives to change our hearts and our perspective. Help us to entrust ourselves to you to know that you have a bigger picture in mind. That you may work for good in all things for those who love you. We pray in this in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen.